Warning, the following content occasionally contains adult themes and language, which is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Cinematic Rewind. Joining me today to talk about The Great Gatsby from 2013 is Cookie. Hey, what's up, everybody? And Regent. We're back. We are back for another episode. So, like I said, today we are covering The Great Gatsby. That has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a 48 on Rotten Tomato, and a 55 on Metacritic. Right off the get-go, I can see IMDb being pretty close to what I think about the film, but Rotten Tomatoes, I feel like, is kind of missing the mark there, along with Metacritic. Like, I don't agree with the 48 and the 55. Do you guys, how, how do you feel about that before? Before we actually dive into the film i'm probably leaning closer to the 55. interesting if i had to take a shot i probably would put this around like 65 to 70. i wouldn't be that harsh from the movie but then again ron tomatoes from you know 2010 onward to now hell even beforehand very very inconsistent <laughs> inconsistent and the people who do the reviews on there along with their community at the times were very toxic about what they wanted out of movies I can agree. So with that, let's go ahead and dive into it a little bit. This is, in fact, based off of a novel that a lot of people are going to be familiar with because it is required for a lot of high schools out there. It is based on the novel of the same name, The Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald and was released on April 10th, 1925. Now, since I did not go to a public high school, I have actually not read this book. So I want to ask you guys, was this a requirement for you guys in high school? Let's go first, reason. <laughs> All right, let the elder go first. Okay, so Greg Gatsby was not a required book. It was more of an elective in my 11th and 12th grade English classes, ironically by the same teacher, but at least in 11th grade when there was a focal point of i would say old school literature it was between this hamlet what was the other book we did or we chose i think much ado about nothing or the odyssey was on there everyone banked on hamlet thinking it was going to be an easier book to read and as someone who's read that word for word multiple times in their younger and teenage life i laughed because i knew they kind of screwed the pooch because they're picking shakespeare and my english teacher gave out a maniacal laugh when, when everyone picked hamlet's like are you guys sure he basically said to an extent if you guys want pick this book that's great but we're going to be watching the Kenneth Branagh version which is the entire book beginning to end and you're going to be taking notes throughout the entire four plus hour movie the quiz is going to be based on what you watch and what you retain from it so I laugh because I, I own the movie I have it in my collection and I've read the book plenty of times I felt perfectly fine but Great Gatsby as a whole not really a lot of history I've read the book at least once if not twice in my teenage years during summer reading but it was never a oh you gotta do this for an assignment I dodged that bolt because everyone thought Hamlet was the easy way out and they picked the hardest book Fair enough. First off, fuck Shakespeare. But Cookie, what about you? 
That was quite the the phrase to go afterwards. But my history with the book is different than Regent's, for sure. It was similar as in we had it for a school required. There was no option. It was definitely required. I could not tell you what year, but I definitely remember the book itself. And I wasn't like a heavy reader, so I definitely did spark notes as soon as I found that in life. But there was a few books that I did read, and one of my favorites that I read in school was The Giver. And that's a whole nother subject matter, but that got turned into a movie. With The Great Gatsby specifically, I remember that growing up because even though I didn't fully read the book, it actually stood out in my memory way before there was ever talk about a movie. This is definitely like the early 2000s. It was just the subject matter that we did talk about in class. Even with the spark notes, it was still enough stuff like, oh, wow, like this happened in the book. And I knew about the ending and some of the other commentary. And I remember it having heavy subject matter, but I will admit watching the movie definitely showed me more that I missed out on. And it, as an adult, it has me conflicted about like, if this is a book that we should have read, or if it is a book that I do think it's a good idea that we did read. But to be honest, from an initial reaction, I never saw negativity from the reading of the books. And I know me and Regent are a different state, so I don't know if it was necessarily state mandatory or just by school by school, but there was never a negative reaction to the book. It was actually just creating a lot of interesting conversations. So that's where after watching the movie, I had that initial reaction like, oh my gosh, we read this? And then I go back to, actually, I think it's a good book. It has heavy material in it, but that's kind of about life as well. Well, you just got to be careful what age you give it to fourth graders versus ninth graders or something like that. But yeah, I only have spark notes, so I can't necessarily say I read it from beginning to end once either way. And it was mandatory for our school and I passed my tests. Thank you, spark notes. <laughs> hey, if you pass the test, that's the important bit there. <laughs> exactly. Right. So like I said, I haven't read this book, but I've done a lot of research in the past couple of days about the book and how people feel about the different adaptations of this film, because the 2013 version is actually the fifth time that this has been adapted into a movie. I don't know if you guys have known that there were four before this. I knew of one. I never knew. I thought this was the fourth. I think this is the fifth movie, if I remember correctly. Oh, he's the fourth actor to portray him. Mm -hmm. I think another actor portrayed him twice. So as far as that goes, a lot of people agree that The Great Gatsby from a book perspective doesn't translate well into a film. And I'm interested to dive into that a little bit, especially since you guys have spark notes from the books or have actually read the book yourself, Regent. I mean, it's been, oh my God, 17 years since I last read the book. Still. But yeah, I've done a lot of digging into different reviews and how people feel about the film. So let's go ahead and dive into, first of all, your history with the film. And I'll let you go first, Cookie, since you let Region go first, is what is your history with the 2013 film? When I heard about it was coming up, I heard that Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire, instantly I was like, yeah, I, I definitely want to watch it. Unfortunately, when that movie came out, I was already doing a lot of transitioning in life, moving from one state to another. And I feel like that kind of just got lost to the wayside because I was figuring out things like my new job, where I was going to work at and where I was staying and all that stuff. And eventually, I honestly just forgot about it. But the marketing for it was phenomenal. And I'm going to brag about that when we talk about 
about the movie. That scene with Leonardo DiCaprio raising his glass, I feel like is one of the best movie scenes ever created, especially if you take just a few seconds. It's well crafted, the lighting, everything, the design is perfect. And I feel like that's almost more watched of an image than the actual movie itself. Over time, I completely forgot about the film. Every once in a while, I'm like, you know, I should watch that movie because it was a mandatory read and I knew enough about it that I was semi-interested in it. I felt like it could at least deserve a watch. And it was actually on my watch list this past year. And when it was brought up to do the podcast, I was actually excited because now I had that little push I needed. So this is actually my first viewing, but I knew of the film for years. And probably the craziest part for me is I actually didn't know it was almost 10 years old. I actually thought it was more recent. So I actually did watch this like whenever it came to Blu-ray. So probably late 2013, maybe early 2014, I actually watched this as soon as it came out on Blu-ray. So it's very interesting to hear that I actually watched a movie before you did. Right. We're starting to find the years where transition where I'm late to the game and you're on top of it. That's around the 2010s and moving forward. Anything past 2012, I stayed pretty much on top of like watching the stuff I was interested in as soon as I could. But with that, Region, what is your history with the film? You're going to be two for two with both of us because I did not see this movie when it came out. That was the day before I last attended college. So that week, it was me, several of my friends that were actually graduating on the same time that are in my upcoming wedding that, yeah, there was no way we were going to the movies. We were celebrating, going over, you know, four and a half years, five years of memories and just celebrating the good times together. Ironically, I actually listened to the soundtrack first before seeing the movie. And that really got me hyped up later to go watch the movie when it came out on Blu-ray. And I can agree with you. The soundtrack to this film, I don't know what your thoughts on it are, but I have listened to the soundtrack a few times and it is amazing. They did a really good job of really capturing the 1920s, but in a modern sense. Like if you were to have a roaring 20s party now, which I wanted to do when it was 2020, but 2020 had different plans. Apparently, fuck Shakespeare and fuck 2020. (laughs) Yeah, fuck Shakespeare, fuck 2020. Yeah, you can thank Jay-Z for that one because he was the one who was the executive producer for that album, for that soundtrack. I want to talk about that since it's here. I was going to hold off until we did the reviews, but since this is on the subject matter, this is where I differ from you all. I feel like one of the biggest sufferings in the movie was the soundtrack. Really? Yes. I am actually a fan of Jay-Z. I follow his career for over 20 years. His music is not a fit for this film. His music is not from the 1920s. And I can see the argument on that it's like the 1920s with a modern twist, but that actually for me was the problem. It took me out of the film. I would like see the visuals and I would start getting into it. And sometimes they would kind of have more time period music. And then I would hear Jay-Z start rapping. (laughs) It would take me out of it. I'm like, what? Huh? I count it. He had five of his songs in the first 40 minutes and pretty much every song he had was on his most recent album that year. And that was driving me nuts because since I was a fan of his and I know where all that music came from, it just took me out the film. And I think we'll dive more into it, but I feel like for me, at least that was a huge hindrance in the film. And it it annoyed me because it kept taking me out of it because of that modern twist. I love hearing your perspective on it because it really gets me thinking of how different people view like the modern interpretation of something old. Because for me, that modern interpretation of the 1920s music is actually something I'm a big fan of. And it actually helped me sort of get into that 1920s world a little bit more. 
Because I thought about it. I was like, okay, why would they do this? Well, first of all, it is because Jay-Z was an executive producer and he pretty much strong armed them in, into him selecting music, which I that's why I also was annoyed. Like, okay, yes, you're a producer, but you picked five to six of your songs to be in the movie. And it wasn't like these songs were made for the movie. It was, once again, just his own album, literally in the past year. So for me, it, it felt like a commercial. And that's what was bothering me, where it was like the spots that it was dropped in, it just didn't feel connected to me. Now, I can understand for you, I think what happened for me was probably I might have overthought it, but that's kind of the point is like, that's why it didn't fit well for me. It would be watching a movie where the music is from a different time period and you have a strong memory of the music. So your memory of the music is fighting the visuals you're watching. That's what was happening to me. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to chime in with is like, I feel like your relationship to Jay-Z's music probably interfered with you connecting with the film a little bit. So for me, like if I watched a modern film with say, Panic at the Disco started playing, I'd be too focused on, ah, it's Brendan Yuri to actually focus on immersing in the world and the story. I like that example. I barely know their music. So it would have just been background music for me. It would have just been like some ambient music, like, okay, this is catchy. And I would have just kept staying in the film. See, that's kind of the thing with me, because like, if I'm watching a movie and I hear the score and I do hear an artist I'm familiar with, I'm like, okay, well, this sounds like them. What are they doing in the movie? Yeah, I'll, it'll take me out of the moment for a, a hot second, but then I'll try to basically recalibrate my eyes and ears to the movie because there has to be something for the reason of that song playing at that specific point in time to either drive that scene, make it as a traditional traditional scene, or to give it some weight for the time it's taking up on film. Not just as like what Cook was saying for JC was like marketing or commercial there had to be some validity as to why the song was put in this particular place at this moment in time yeah and the reason why i'm pointing out that these were not songs made for the film so you got to think he has an album how is it a coincidence that you just make a gen general rap album and here's the thing to add to you regent you brought up your what you're talking about think about that happening five to six times in the same film so it started having an accumulative effect on me. So we don't have to spend too much more time on it, but unfortunately that was like a big one or two notches off the review for me was that this modern music kept taking me out of being into the movie. There's one song I definitely want to bring up because it's a song in this film that I love and will continue to listen to multiple times. I have it on two playlists of mine and I listen to a couple different renditions of it. And that is Lionel Del Rey's Young and Beautiful in the scene where Gatsby's showing Daisy his mansion and all the things he has and telling the story. What did you guys think of that? Because to me, that was beautiful. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. And I feel like the reason was the vocals and also the melody wasn't strong. I'm, I love hip hop. And the reason why it was taking me out is that it was so much techno to the beat. And then you got a guy rapping behind it and it's more of a aggressive type of lyrics. That's why it just felt like so separate. Whereas that kind of music, it all flowed together. I get where Cookie's coming from, like 110% about having the flow in a movie to describe the time period and having someone completely out of place come in and take over. And it just dilutes the experience as a whole. The missus and I, as we we're playing our wedding, we were thinking about that when it came to our music for when our guests, you guys arrive and during the ceremony and right afterwards. If you're going for a specific type of movie with a specific type of theme, it would be best to stay the course and have music from that era. Or if you're going to 
modernize it with new generation artists, fine artists that have done performances in that particular genre or, or specialize in it or have dabbled in it, that it feels like it would complement the timepiece and enhance that experience as a full-on auditory experience. So like bands like Postmodern Jukebox would be a fantastic option because they do a lot of jazz, big band sound. I mean, you have people like Michael Bublé, you have other male and female vocalists who are thriving around this big band jazz swing sound and even like blues that could have gone into this to really give it a more immersion to the movie as itself but this song was definitely a from Londrail was definitely a standout piece in the soundtrack one other piece of artistic choices that I want to talk about, and this is separate from music, it's actually cinematography. The opening shots alone are breathtaking, and that doesn't stop just at the opening. Throughout the entire film, you are shown shots that have such significant importance to the story, and they're just shot and framed so beautifully that you can't help but just stare at this world of beauty, tragedy, corruption, and almost like grotesque nature of the rich and powerful in 1920s America, but yet still be mesmerized by it. There's two things that say this movie that kept me from giving it something like a four. And it was a certain portion of the cast, which we'll get to that. But the other part is the cinematography as well. This is one of those few movies that in my book, it is 10 out of 10. That's how extreme it was. And the reason why I say this is, is that this is one of those films that almost every piece of film felt like you could frame it. The color, the positioning, the quality. I loved every bit of it. So from a visual standpoint, I loved watching this movie. They did a great job visually portraying just like what you said, showing the wealth, showing the good, the negative, the bad, showing people's emotions, showing the mystique. And there was even things that the subtleties where some characters was positioned in a certain way earlier in the film. And then as the movie progressed, they started being positioned differently. And I was picking up on those little cues and I really liked that type of stuff. And it yet it still had that picturesque vibe to it. And like I said, I'm going to give it one more credit again, is that Leonardo DiCaprio scene of him raising that glass with the fireworks in the background i've seen that clip used so many places and that's why they use it it looks amazing region i mean he took the words right out of my mouth like i got nothing oh please add to it come on please man, <laughs> man you you really did i mean outside of the cinematography i think for me what really stood out to my eyes at least watching it one the two dimes i would have to say the respect of the costume designing how they were doing their damnedest to keep it in the time periods and even the smallest you know nuances that you could tell you're like wait was that really from its time period and you go to research and you're like holy crap it was like that's a really good eye so and also the fact that it won at the academy awards for costume designing and production designing it deserved it I am heavily considering whenever I get my next suit to get something similar to that time period because I'm with you. It looks so good <laughs> that I'm like, man, I, even I kind of want one of those suits. They have such great costume designs all around. The costuming, the makeup, the environments, even the cars are just so good. And everything about this movie works visually. And we'll get on to some of the things that doesn't work later on. But when you're watching this movie as something to be watched, it is so perfect. It's hard to actually take your eyes off of because you've got all those different elements working together. You've got everyone looking from both dress and makeup and hair looking like it belongs in that time period. I didn't see one person thought mm, that's out of place. Everything sort of worked. And then, of course, you have your 
cinematography. So everything is shot like Cookie said to where if you just take a screenshot, you can put that on your wall. Would it look out of place on your wall? Sure, but it would look good. Yeah, it would look good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so speaking of not looking so good. So when this movie came out, it finished second in its opening weekend. Can you two guess what movie it failed to beat opening weekend? Oh, no, it was 2013, so it had to be a Marvel It was Thor, wasn't it? No. No, because 2012 was the Avengers, so it had Iron Man 3? Yes, it was Iron Man 3. Man. Oh, gross. Gosh, that was rough competition, which is sad because Iron Man 3 was one of the weakest Marvel films. <laughs> mm -hmm. And at least at its perspective time, it was the second largest opening for Leo DiCaprio, obviously, because Titanic. <laughs> Good luck being that for him, unless... I'm missing something. But Baz Luhrmann, the director, that's his still to date, his highest grossing movie. And he's only done five, maybe six movies as a whole in his whole filmography as a director. As a director, he did a great job. I, when we talk about the negatives and the pros, I don't know how much I can give him credit for. But usually with a director, they oversee everything. So I definitely give him a shout out. So his filmography is the from 92, Strictly Ballroom, the modern spin of Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo DiCaprio. He did that one? Yes, he did. Oh, visually good-looking film, too. Moulin Rouge. Another visually good-looking film. Australia with Hugh Jackman and Nicole Kidman. Okay, it can't be a coincidence that he's got like at least visually good-looking films. Honestly, for what he's been nominated for for BAFTA, it's been for film direction, adaption, and screenplays. The Great Gatsby was for the stage designing and costuming. He's also doing the Elvis Presley biopic movie. It's going to be good looking. Yep. That trailer looks really good, at least from a visual standpoint. I got to give him credit. This is a new director for me to pay attention to. And now knowing his history, I can give this man a lot of credit and respect. Yeah. I do want to talk about one of the films that you mentioned because I actually just watched it this past Sunday being Moulin Rouge. I just watched that for the first time after watching Moulin Rouge, the Broadway last Friday in New York. So I went and saw the play first, which by the way, if you haven't seen it, it's amazing. It's so good. And then I watched the movie and I noticed a weird parallel. So to all of you Star Wars fans out there, if you don't know, Ewan McGregor plays a character Christian in the movie Moulin Rouge, and he falls in love with a character called Satine. So anyone who has watched Clone Wars know where this is going. Obi-Wan falls in love with a character called Satine, and it gets better. In the movie Moulin Rouge, she almost marries a duke, which would make her Duchess Satine, which is the exact character name Obi-Wan falls in love with in Star Wars. You're welcome. So yes, with The Great Gatsby. Back to Great Gatsby, though. It looks amazing. I love it. But it does have problems. And one of the problems I want to talk about is I feel like this movie focused too much on the relationship between Daisy and Gatsby, which I get that that is the focus of the story. But I also know from my research that the book talks a lot about how the rich and powerful are a problem and how it's actually the people who do the blue collar work, your blue collar people who work your nine to five are the backbone of America and the rich and powerful very rarely do an honest day's work. And I feel like the film lost sight of that. Once I learned that that was a focal point of the film before actually watching it, I wanted to see more of that. And I was kind of disappointed that I didn't get to. 
I can agree with that. It's not that I knew so much about the book that my expectations was missed, but I do remember in the my memory of the book was that it felt like it was an equal balance behind the characters, but it never felt like a love story that had a tragic ending. I never had that vibe. None in my memory. So when I was watching it, I can agree with you. It's not that I didn't like it, and I don't even necessarily know if it hindered the film, but I feel like it definitely was a missed opportunity that I feel like they made changes to the film to make it more commercialized. That's essentially where I'm trying to get to. And the plot that you're speaking about would not have pushed as much as a success, in my opinion. And I agree with you. They made the changes they needed to in order to tell a story and to make a movie that sells. Because ultimately, most of your movies nowadays, if not all of them, are made to make money. And no one can dispute that fact. Movies are made to make money. And unfortunately, this book, at least from my understanding, and if some diehard Great Gatsby book fans out there want to correct me on our socials, link below, want to correct me, the point of the book was to show a problem in modern America. Or at least modern America 1920s. And I think that's where a lot of the negative reception on the internet about this film has come from. Okay, so you feel that it it's more of the negative opinion is because of expectations, not that the film itself falls short in general. I do feel like it is because of expectations. Because you have this problem when you make something from a book or from a graphic novel or from a comic book. You have those who read the comic book, whatever, first. And that is what they're going to cling on to as this is the story and I will not allow changes. When changes are made to a film or TV show adaptation, I guarantee you most of the criticism about said thing are about the changes. Now, are there valid criticisms about this as far as a movie making standpoint go sure but the vast majority of it is how it fails to be an adaptation of Gatsby I can respect that it makes sense especially when you look at how long the book has been around and when you look at the moviegoers, you think about every generation pretty much having to read this, even if you're not necessarily like, oh, I'm this Leonardo DiCaprio fan or Toby fan, or I just watch a lot of movies. It's a good chance you knew of the book. And when you gave it a try, you had some form of an idea. And the more you cared about the book, your expectations grew from there. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I, I just feel like there's a slight problem in modern entertainment culture where people go in to see a movie or a TV show with expectations about characters that they are familiar with, and they're not ready nor willing to see that character change from what is in their mind. And there's a, also sort of like this dissonance between understanding different media, because when you have a book, the world that you read mostly is, in, is through interpretation of imagination. So if me and you read the same book, we're both going to see this world in two different ways. Now, we might agree on some core values about said world, but we're going to disagree on how we see the book or the world, especially when it deals with a book like this, which talks about sort of like the American dream of success, wealth, and power. We have probably two different ideas of what the American dream looks like. And so when you adapt that into a film, people are going to be upset. And I feel like people sort of need to be able to separate their expectations of what their imagination is and what someone else's is because this adaptation is someone else's imagination it's the directors and the writers and that's the way it works with all media 
I can definitely agree with that. If anything, that's probably why we have this podcast with the three of us. My lower score of the movie is 100% from a making of the film issue. And I'm not saying that's everybody else's, but that's one thing I can give the film credit is that I actually did enjoy the story and there was no hindrance because of the book. I do feel like I came in with a different idea, but what I was presented, I did enjoy. And we can talk about that after I, you know, Regent share his opinion. I could definitely agree that the movie did lose some sight about the actual book, but also in the same breath that if they were to follow the book Trudeau's letter, it would not be as commercially successful as it were. And I can say for an example, Kenneth Bernal's rendition of Hamlet, which is from beginning to bloody end of the book, cover to cover, to the single word and letter of that book. You need to have an endurance like an Iron Man to go through that entire movie in a single sitting and to process everything. So I can definitely understand why the movie did what it did. Now, also, for someone in high school, who we did end up bringing it as a class assignment for like a two-week period of the book. Another part of the movie I would have loved to have seen be more of a focal point is Gatsby's, I wouldn't say his backstory, but like the whole how people are colluding, how he gets his money, or where the sudden arrival of funds into his name appears from, and what they're doing to maintain it or to grow it, outside of having these lavish parties to bring people in to, to spark up hype and, I would say, almost borderline legend of him, from people to people, from all different forms of life to figure out who exactly this man is and how he got, how he rose so quietly and unbeknownst to the people of, at this point, in New York. So, I feel like that would have been a lot more compelling information. It would have felt bit more like a drama thriller with everyone trying to hunt down where his money's coming from or what he does during his daytime that makes him so lucrative as a person such a wanted figure because he continuously can throw these parties without any detriment into his financial funds regent thank you because i've been trying to figure out what i thought of the film ahead of time and that is exactly what i thought was going to happen was more of a drama thriller where the thriller was going to be more of like plot twist and it was going to start out kind of happy go lucky and then it was going to make you feel uneasy and i'm not saying that brought the score down because of that but i thought that's where the film was going to go because exactly what you talked about and here's where i think the movie sort of failed in storytelling aspect and it's along the lines of what region is saying is I did expect a little bit more of a drama to it. And one of the scenes in particular I'd like to focus on is where you have Tom, Daisy, Gatsby all together in the room together. And you finally figure out where Gatsby gets all of his money. And it's because of these gangsters. He's in line with gangsters. He's abusing the stock market, selling drugs, blah, blah, blah. It's, there's a lot that you discover in 15 seconds. And because of the artistic choices made in this film to make it a viewing spectacle, it gets swept under the rug by Leonardo's acting. There wasn't a chance for the information you just learned about this man, this mysterious man, to breathe because they wanted a chance to show off Leonardo's acting. Yeah, and this leads to where I kind of already had an idea how I want to present my issue with the film, which is I feel like it's a film that has extremities. 10 out of 10 cinematography. I do feel like from a presentation standpoint, it's a solid movie. But then the negative was for me the soundtrack. But part two was this weird confusion of I feel like they had great actors, but it wasn't a good balance of great actors. I believe one of the pieces is that what you're talking about, where it was almost almost uh, over-reliance on Leonardo DiCaprio. 
Yeah, because like if you make a, a story, you want the actors to tell the story. You do not want the actors to be the story. Yeah, and that's my memory of the book was, yes, it was The Great Gatsby, but it was heavily back to what Regent's talking about. It was the mystique, and it went from being envious to something worrisome. And I could see that if someone else had came in there and they had that expectation, I could see why the film went a different route for them, at least from a emotional piece of it. Like, how did I absorb this? And I was hoping for it, but the story I got, I wasn't upset about either, but I could see where the reviewers would have that issue with. And honestly, I would love to see that kind of version of the film. I would give it another try if we could go that route where it's on the great Gatsby himself, not Leonardo. I'd be willing to see that too. I am always willing to give a story a few adaptations because I've only seen the one. I haven't gone back and watched the others yet. And from what I can tell that this is a beloved story. It is, as we've talked about, put in a lot of public schools and is a requirement for some schools and elective for some others. So it has to be a story with some merit. It's like To Kill a Mockingbird. A lot of schools make you read that as well. It is a beloved story. So I would love to see an adaptation of this film that focuses more on, I guess, the drama aspect of it and the moral focus of the story. Unlike To Kill a Mockingbird, Great Gatsby is allowed in a majority of schools for reading literature. To Kill a Mockingbird in the last couple of years, along with several other well-documented and historically fun founded books that were you know used as literature for reading in English education, especially for Cookie and Mai's time school, are being put on lists of banned books because of a lot of reasonings, whether they're grounded in facts or not. But To Kill a Mockingbird was definitely a book I was required to read, but it was also required to have a internal and external discussion with my teacher not just my classmates because most of my classmates in my classes they were just reading to try to just pass on the assignment to try to get an easy credit and move on to the next assignment my teacher thankfully when it comes to these books challenge us to think critically of them and to actually have a constructive conversation about the books and the overall writing premise underlying themes writers like actual direction of the book and the visioning of the storytelling but also how it related to that time piece of which that book was being released in or it was being themed off of like how many how much common ground can you find then or now with the book itself as you're reading it and i think that's a great way to approach reading something that was created during a certain time period my point sort of was that there are stories that are still told and taught in schools to stay even if some others have sort of banned the book for whatever reason i'm not too informed on that i'll have to look into it but it is still taught in a lot of schools and it's still required to be read so it has to be a story with some substance to it and i would love to see an adaptation of gatsby that sort of meets the book in substance if you get what i'm trying to say and i can agree with you venture i think you summed it up really well and i would like to move with that where it's the we get an adaptation that depicts why this book was chosen and moving forward back to the movie itself if i was a teacher and you know we do the whole read this book thing i don't know if i would even show this version yes it's the most modern but i don't know if this really conveys well enough of why we were reading this book 
and I would agree with you. I I don't think that it does because from my understanding, the book deals with a lot about how your everyman has this idea of the American dream, and yet the people who actually have the so-called American dream usually are one either corrupt, unhappy, have drinking or drug problems, or just go around killing each other and covering crime up. And some are perfectly happy. The American dream is to be interpreted by everyone, but in that time period, the American dream, even if achieved, was not necessarily pretty. The reason I like to hear your opinion, do you feel like in this day and age, if a classroom read this book, should they show this version of the film? Yes, but to the line of showing how to do adaptation right as some of its parts and also in its faults from its some of its parts. If you're going to do a book adaptation to a movie, you want to have that credential of honoring the book and the story to the fullest it can while making its own personality out of it. But you also don't want to stray too far from the source material or to ignore the source material for the majority of the film. Basically show the film for how good it is, but also keep it accountable. I think that's a great answer. Use that as a learning opportunity, kind of like doing what we're doing, critique the film afterwards. I feel like where this movie could be used to its fullest in an academic sense is in a film school, talking about how to adapt a novel or how to adapt source material and how not to. So basically along what Regent's saying, line to line, but where to use it versus just in public school being like, all right, here's the book and here's the movie, go do it. So I would focus it more towards people who are leaning towards a career of film and TV. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, you have a list of these are adaptations and we can see which is done right, which is wrong, where we could improve. I could definitely rock with that. Yeah, because like on one hand, you have one of America's most iconic works of literature. And then on the other hand, you have a movie based on that that has a very divided fan base. And it'd be a great talking point for that kind of environment. Now, I would like to talk about one more piece. We briefly talked about it with Leonardo. We haven't necessarily gave Toby his credit. I really liked him in the film, but there was a negative piece, which is like a half point of my review, is that it's similar to the Jay-Z thing. By the time I watched this, which is this year, I've seen about 20 years of Toby on screen. I've gotten used to his voice. The voice he tried to portray, portray in the film felt like he was trying to be Batman, and it drove me freaking nuts, especially earlier in the film. Eventually, I got used to it but he tried to talk in this very gruff rough kind of way almost like his throat was scratchy because obviously he's trying to show what he's been through and stuff like that and time has passed but it drove me nuts and it was a hundred percent because i'm so used to his voice that it just took me out from the film now one other piece that i did want to talk about which is the actors jumping off of that is that i feel like they did have a very good cast about half the cast the other half i point out is that i don't know if some of the actors and actors just got better during the film but early on you could almost see a stark difference between very talented actors versus less talented actors with less experience where some people were more believable where others you almost felt like you almost were just kind of just watching them be there i don't know if you had either opinions on both toby's voice and some of the actors kind of having stark quality in their acting but those pieces was the other factors in the film for me 
I didn't notice Tobey Maguire's voice being too abrasive to me, and I actually thought it fit pretty well for his role and what he was meant to portray. Since him as a narrator, he's supposed to have lived this rough life, and he is both an alcoholic, drug abuse, rage issues. So I feel like he was this man who just had a lot of bottled up things and that voice sort of helped capture that a little bit. So to me, it actually worked. And But I can see why for you it was kind of off-putting after seeing Toby in so much for so many years. Yeah. If I didn't know his original voice, I can totally 100% agree with you. It was It's similar to the whole Jay-Z thing. It's because I have that connection and that history and a long one at that. That's why I'm pointing out like 20 years. It's like, think about you having someone in your life you've listened to for 20 years, and then they started doing like this rough voice. It would just catch you off guard. Now, after 30 minutes into the film, it never bothered me again. I got used to it. It didn't stick out. But the first part that I actually have more of a problem with the first half of the film, and it's because there was just too many instances where I was getting pulled out. Once I got used to things, I actually started enjoying the movie. But that's that's my gripe about the film is the actress piece. Now, between you and Regent, do you all feel there was anything with the actors or am i the only one in that corner about that i mean nothing immediately jumps to mind about the acting like actor portrayal if it was overdone or not enough i feel with toby's character with being nick the narrator i honestly feel that his tone of voice was more so that like venture is saying about going through all these things and i feel his vocabulary of tonal sound or at least the auditory sound of it was coming from a place of more caution or like just being open-minded and just taking things as they come and not trying to overly psychoanalyze or question everything that comes into his presence i just feel it was more of a like a due process trying to understand everything and to not question everything to have all the information and then begin the set questions or start peeling back the layers to see more of what's underneath Oh, yeah. I never meant that he did a bad job. I was just pointing. It was jarring because I was so used to his voice. He he actually portrayed the character really well. That's why I'm giving him credit is that it took us this long to give him credit in the, the episode, the podcast is that he actually did a great job. It was just jarring at first because I was so used to his voice. I mean, that's like me with Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park when he was in the Saw 3D movie. Guess neither of you saw that. I did see Saw 3D, but I don't know who that is. So I do apologize. Former lead singer of Lincoln Park. I don't know Lincoln Park. Okay, that's fine. So so in his musical career, I'll start here. With his musical career, it was very much his vocal tone or presentation was always about the mental and emotional pain that he's gone through as a person in life, whether it's been from drugs, alcohol, friends and family, bad childhood upbringings. Like he put his heart into music and onto paper that it resonated with millions of people across the world. And that's all you've known from him was to discuss pain in such a creative manner, whether it was him actually singing with his classical training background or him yelling or scream or crying into the microphone like you just you could empathize the pain and agony he was going through now in saw 3d he was a skinhead that was surgically glued into the front seat of a car that was rigged to drive without the brake line intact and crash and set on fire and have a bunch of metallic car parts fall into him and kill him so there's like a whole scene of him like yelling cursing saying racial and inappropriate words and then goes and, and gets killed Oh man, you picked the craziest one, <laughs> but, but you see my point though. Yeah. Yes. That spectrum of what we've been adequated with in terms of a person's vocal tone, behavior, personality, and how they carry themselves in their line of work. But then they get into this role that is polar opposite. And you're like, are you sure that's them? 
Yeah. And, and see, that's a great example because when I watched it, I watched it as the movie and it never pulled me out. And I could see for you as you're watching it, it's just a shock to the system because you're like, this is not who I know. <laughs> Especially when you look at how many years too that you've seen them and heard them. Yeah. And seeing them live on several occasions too. It's just like, this cannot be the person I grew up embracing as one of the top like 10, if not five vocalists I've fallen in love with listening to. For me, that instance would be Tom Holland with the movie Cherry. Seeing him go from Peter Parker being a soft teenage kid to a grizzled war veteran who is shooting up heroin. Just a very stark difference. But as far as the other actors in the film, Cookie, on per your question about did I notice a difference between how the acting sort of shifted in the film, I noticed it with one particular actor, and that would be Carrie Mulligan, who played Daisy. Yes. I feel like as the film got better, she got better. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I thought I was the only one. She's like 90% why I brought this up, and I'm so glad you said it. In the beginning, I'm like, okay, I think you're overselling this role a little bit. And then once it got to about the halfway point, I was like, motherfucker, she's doing a great job. So I can see where you're coming from. And I actually just realized that that actress is in one particular episode of Doctor Who called Blink. Stop. Stop it now. But yeah, I definitely noticed. Now, I want to throw one more question out there is that I feel like I've explained why I was giving a roundabout rating of mine and you both don't seem to give it a high score. I've not heard enough reasoning from either of you why it's not a high score. I think it really comes down to for me is that I would agree with Cookie about the music because I coming into the mentality of, oh, it's a theatrical time piece movie. There'd be, you know, music to represent, resonate and support through and through, not this modern day spin on it. That really, I wouldn't say sour, but it was pretty much a hindrance on me fully embracing the movie more as a timepiece movie. Really outside of that, it just wasn't a movie that I wanted to fully go see it, it the trailers got my attention i'm like okay great it's a movie and then remembering that it was a book from high school reading i'm like okay it's a literature based movie the best way i can put it is when i started watching the movie for the first time and also the second time i was watching it for the sake of like watching the movie not because i was excited to watch it it was to go through that process much of watching film on screen and getting to the end credits do you want to ask a question? Listening from your explanation from the outside, do you feel like it was because of the book slash subject matter? Or do you feel like maybe it was the actors or the presentation? Because from what you're saying, if you just go by the trailer and you weren't convinced, then I'm kind of curious then what kept that away? Because you did read the book. I definitely read the book and I feel like it's on me, not the movie itself and the actors who put the time and effort and everyone behind it in the production team. I think it came down to the fact that I read the book. I knew what the book was about and that they were making a movie and going from reading it as a book to hearing it becoming a movie. It never went to, I need to go see it because I enjoyed that book so much. I think that's fair. If you, me or venture would say, Hey, let's watch, you know, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet and talk about it. I would say yes, but I would say with a line of hesitation, cause I'm going to put myself through four hours of watching one movie all over again. And I know plenty of better movies out there that would justify that time period in one straight through sitting. As far as I'm concerned, this movie is a solid eight, and I do have reasonings as to why I think it's a solid eight. I think from cinematography, costuming, hair, makeup, and soundtrack, I think it is on point a great film. Why I think it's an eight and not a ten is 
for two reasons. Number one is I feel like the story moments aren't given time to breathe. So when you find out information about a character, when you find out backstory, it is told in such a glamorous way and almost overacted and overstylized to the point where you're taken into the visual spectacle in front of you and not the story behind it. It almost looks too good to the point where you can't enjoy the story. And I want to comment on that. It almost does look too good. And it's a missed opportunity of where you can show the ugly behind the beauty. Yes. Now, I give it a six. I, I wouldn't call it a great movie. If you go by the visuals, I would say it's an amazing movie. The issue I have with the story is that the story they decided to tell is not that I had expectations on it. It's just not a story that I would sit through for, for an eight out of 10 story, if that makes sense. This is just not an eight out of 10 story for me. If they did go the route where they showed the ugly behind the wealth, it was more like a thriller, a drama thriller. As it got more into it, it got darker darker because really the only thriller came in was when he hit the woman with the car and it was figuring out like what's going to be the consequences but if we had it more throughout the fear of oh this goes from it's cool that he has this money to oh wow why is he wealthy and you start diving into that i could move the notches up the story 100 percent yeah. And the only other notch that is the music. If I could have had a better time period music, we do that whole explanation of story. Man, I would gladly give it an eight, probably even a nine. There's only one more note for me that makes it an eight and not a 10 is I feel like there's a pretty big inconsistency in the film. And that is the way that the story is told. From the beginning, you have this very fast moving story where it goes from here's your narrator, Nick, and then here's where his house, here's Gatsby, here's these parties. He's now meeting Gatsby. And then it really slows down once you start to meet Daisy and everything. And then you start to go through like that information about him meeting Daisy and what he wants from Nick and all of that. And the movie really slows down. But once it starts to get to the point where Gatsby and Daisy sort of start to have their affair, I feel like the movie picked back up on that fast pace of like, go, 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 go. And you just didn't have time to like sit and enjoy the film. The middle half drags the first half and the third. Just it didn't work for me how fast and how slow parts of it were. Like the first third, fast, middle, slow, and over too quickly. You explained that really well. I am totally on the same page with you. I feel like that is why I didn't care for the story that was told necessarily because I think it was part of the editing. The story itself, I actually do enjoy and I, I would have enjoyed a little bit more faithful to the book, but I could have worked with what it was. I'm with you on that is that it did feel rushed when it came to their affair, almost like they're like, we got to get to the next story point, but then they get to the next story point and then they change the speed of it. I never knew how to articulate it, but you explained it really well and I'm on the same page with you. It's one of those things about storytelling is people will not care if you take the time to tell a story that's worth telling. They won't. They'll go see it. Everyone went and saw Batman. I don't know a single person in my life who has not gone to see the Batman. And everyone loved it because they took the time to tell a well-crafted story. And it's a near three-hour movie. If you apply that to this movie, it, it doesn't fit. People didn't like this film. And probably for a multitude of different reasons because they didn't take the time to tell a story in the way a story needs to be told properly. Do I still enjoy this film? Yes. Yes, I do. Will I watch it again? Probably. As far as it goes as a work of art and a work of entertainment, it does fall short a little bit. But on that, that is all I have to say about Gatsby. 
Yeah, for my final wrap-up of the film, I could watch it again, but it would definitely be from a visual standpoint because the movie just looks good. I love the typography they used in the film, a lot of the graphics, a lot of the visuals. For me, it's part of why I love watching movies, the visuals. However, the story just doesn't grab me. The, the first portion actually does. I actually do like the first portion of the film. The movie shifts to where I don't care was when Gatsby and Daisy met up because there was definitely like a tonal shift, which I get it it's for the story's sake but it's just like what you're talking about is that i feel like the movie shifted in a direction where eh, i can watch it but so with that being said it's a movie i could watch again but i once was good enough for me otherwise it is six out of ten out of my book if you read the book i think it is worth watching from a cinema standpoint i say if it's convenient to watch it great if you got to go out your way don't put much effort into it I never knew Cookie's backpack was big enough to hold my answers and me physically in it all at the same time. He literally 100% said everything I would want to say. If I would go back and watch the movie again, I would, but it would be more from a critical standpoint and I would use it in a classroom for, for English, but also to discuss film from a source material standpoint. And then if the students want to get nitty gritty about filmography or designing and things like that, I am still friends with teachers when I was in high school with. Some of them are still teaching, some are retired who would be more than happy to step in and fill those shoes for those people who would ask. Mm. All right. And with that being said, that is all we have to say on The Great Gatsby. Regent and Cookie, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a good time. A roaring time. Mm-hmm. And thank you listeners for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, remember like, share, review really helps us out. So go ahead and do that. Sharing this also helps us out. And all of those things are an absolutely free way to support the podcast. If you want to contribute to this podcast in any way, there are a few ways you can do so. Number one, you can submit a movie to any of our socials down below. We'll go ahead and add it to listen. We'll cover it at some point. Another way is by interacting with us on social media. Tell us if you've read these books that we cover the movies on or talk to us about what you like about the movie what you didn't like it's a way for you to interact with us and we'd love to have those interactions with you now with that thank you very much for listening remember fuck shakespeare fuck 2020 and we'll see you on the next episode bye